you abstain from food and drink, as marital relations, and many other things during the day, and then you break the fast well once the sun has set. So this is the meaning of some fasting. But fasting has many ahkam, legal rulings, some things which invalidate the fast, some things which do not invalidate the fast. Therefore, this verse of Al-Quran al-Kareem, Shahru Ramadan al-Quran, this verse of Al-Quran al-Kareem mentions the month of Ramadan. The month of Ramadan, and this is in Surah Al-Baqarah, the month of Ramadan in which the Quran was revealed. This is because the Quran was revealed in the month of Ramadan from Allah al-Mahfuz to the from the preserved tablet up to Baytul Izzah. Baytul Izzah being the Kaaba of the first heavens. Then from Baytul Izzah to the heart of the Messenger of Allah over a period of 23 years. So what things does the fast shield a person against? Firstly, a person must control the desires of the stomach. Because the stomach, when a person eats more, he becomes more intense in his desires. Therefore, by controlling the stomach, a person can have better control over other desires. Physical desires, also desires of the heart. So some of them which are mentioned here, fame and wealth, which is a shuhra wal-man, greed, competition, jealousy, hasad, ostentation, riya, arrogance, the couple, envy, hasad, hate, both injustice, revolt, and corruption, all these type of things which a person must contemplate on when having an empty belly in the month of Ramadan. Because when a person has an empty belly, then the soul feels more free. What are the conditions? which make fasting an obligation. Firstly, the person must be a Muslim, meaning fasting is not an obligation upon someone who is a disbeliever. The person must be sane, meaning if someone is insane, then fasting is not thought upon them. The person must be mature, meaning children. The only reason children are made to fast is because when they reach maturity, we train them in fasting. So when they reach maturity, fasting is easy for them. But if children cannot handle the fast, then you do not make them fast. Now sometimes ignorance of this leads to disasters. For instance, when some children are made to fast in the month of Ramadan, if they are made to sit i'tikaf, retreat in the masjid, they are unable to handle the fast. So what happens to them is that they intend to break the fast, but people stop them from doing so. When they stop them from doing so, the child will become worse in his illness. And therefore, the people who are responsible for this are those who stop the child from breaking the fast. Therefore, children must not be forced, meaning if they cannot handle the fast, then you do not force them to fast because the fast is not found upon them. The meaning of maturity also is that the child has passed the age of puberty. 
So if they have passed the age of puberty, then they would be considered uh, they would be considered mature in Islam, and the fast would be an obligation upon them. Number four, free from ill health. The person who fasts must be healthy because if they are ill, then they pay the kafar of the expiation for the fast. If the illness is such that they cannot handle the fast. Number five, free from menstrual periods and postnatal bleeding. This is for a woman. If a woman is in a hay or nifas, so if a woman is in her periods or postnatal bleeding, which is the afterbirth bleeding, then in that time the, the fasting is not followed, but she makes up the fasts for other days. When when the day, the shorter days of winter are in or the shorter days of uh, autumn are in, it would be easier for them. But she makes up those fasts. And sixthly, being a resident, that means if you are traveling, you have a choice. If a person is traveling, they have a choice to fast, but they would have to make up the fast at another day. But it is better for them to fast if they, if they are able to do so while traveling. So these are six conditions uh, for the for the fast to become obligatory upon a person that they must be Muslim, sane, mature, free from ill health, free from menstrual periods and postnatal bleeding, and being a resident. Now, how are we going to work this? Is the questions and answers? is you can ask the questions per slide. So as we go through each slide, uh, you can uh, ask questions. Are there any questions on this particular slide? If you don't want to ask the question, the object uh, at the back has the paper, so give them out. You can take a paper from him and write down your question and send it to the front. So if you have any questions regarding this particular slide, you can place your hand up. Are there any questions on this slide? In reference to a woman, the question is relating to a woman that if a woman is unable to fast due to uh, her menstrual periods, does the woman uh, make that fast up before the next Ramadan? The answer is yes. She should make up that fast, of that fast before the next Ramadan. If it goes beyond that, she still makes up the fasts. So if she does not make up the fasts until the next Ramadan, she fasts the next Ramadan, and then the, after that Ramadan, she makes up the fasts that were remaining. Are there any other questions? <laughs> No other questions. Yeah. Uh, with regards to sanity, uh, husband is ill mannered and he's fasting, he wants the best food. The woman preparing food for the husband and she wants to taste it. The question is regarding the sanity. You have some insane husbands who fast, but they expect the best of food being cooked by their wives, so they become abusive in, abu in an abusive relationship where the woman is mentally abused or physically abused to make good food. Is the woman allowed to taste the food in order that her husband does not lose his temper? The answer is yes, she is allowed to taste in that case, meaning she's allowed to taste the food to see if the food is up to standard. 
to keep herself safe from such an uh, abusive individual. Of course, such people, uh, in reality, why when they fast, they lose their temper due to the to the uh, the heat and the hunger and the thirst, and they, in fact, corrupt their fast with their behavior. And this also happens to some people who smoke drugs. When the month of Ramadan comes, they fast, but then they will face withdrawal. When they face withdrawal symptoms, they will lose their temper and become abusive towards other people. When it's tasting, are you allowed to swallow or just purely taste? The question is, when I say tasting, does this mean are they, are they permitted to swallow the food? The answer is no. Uh, when we mean taste, just place the food in the mouth, taste, and then uh, take the contents out. This is what is meant by tasting the food. Shaykh, if a person misses the rosa due to illness or problems, you take a fara or you take a uh, again, the question is relating to kafara of missing a, a fast. We're going to cover what you do if you miss the fast. That's on the coming slide. So, first thing is, who's uh, Anyone who travels. The question is, what is a resident or who is not a resident? The answer to that is, if you travel out of the city with the intention of traveling 57.5 miles, then you are considered a traveler. So if you go, uh, the 57.5 miles do not have to be in a straight line. It could be any 57.5 miles out of the city. So even if your car just travels around the city, but you, the distance you cover is 57.5 miles, with that intention, then you are considered a traveler. So it's not necessary that the person would have to travel in a straight line. So once you come out of the city, you travel 57.5 miles with the intention of 57.5. Some people give the number of miles being 48 or 49, uh, but 57.5 is the correct amount of miles, 57.5. So the next uh, slide covers intention. In the month of Ramadan, you are permitted to have the intention all the way up to the Zawal time. Are you all familiar with the concept of Zawal? What is the Zawal? When the sun is in the meridian, meaning midday. So just before Zohar prayer, just before Zohar prayer, if you make the intention, the intention is what? Permitted as long as you do not eat something. So if someone went to sleep at night, he went to sleep and he woke up late at 9, 10 in the morning, is he still per permitted to fast? I mean, the, the fast of Ramadan, the answer is yes. As long as he makes the intention before Zawal time. Otherwise, uh, if he wakes up at, after Zawal time, he's, then his fast will not be valid. The intention must be made after, uh, before Zawal time. Of course, uh, here, there are three fasts mentioned which the fast, the intention does not have to be specified. Month of Ramadan vows to fast a specific day and nothing. So nothing fast. 
For instance, many people fast on 10th of Muharram. If on the night of 10th of Muharram you stay asleep all night, then you wake up at 8 or 9 in the morning or 10 in the morning and you haven't eaten anything or drank anything. Are you allowed to keep the fast of Muharram? The answer is yes. You still can keep the fast or make the intention of the fast up to Zawal time. Similarly, in the month of Ramadan, you are permitted to fast uh, the fast of Ramadan up until Zawal time. Of course, Suhoor, which is the early pre-dawn meal, is the Sunnah of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, which person must uh, should carry out. Are there any questions on this, on the intention? Any The question is, are we permit, permitted to make intention for the entire month or do we make an intention for each day? The answer is you make an intention for every day. So as each day comes in, the first fast you make the intention in the night, preferably in the night, preferably before dawn, before Fajr. But if you happen to oversleep or forget, then as long as you make the intention before Zawat, meaning before the Zohar prayer enters. Are there any other questions? Question is if someone has a Nafal fast, uh, and they are fasting at work and they are struggling with the fast. They invalidate the fast. Once they invalidate the fast, must they make up the fast? Yes, they must make up the fast at a later date. So they, they must make up qada of nafil fast. This is in the Hanafi school. The ruling is that if you invalidate a nafil prayer or a nafil fast, then you make up the nafil fast or the nafil prayer at a later time. Any other questions on intention on this particular slide? No? So then, after this we cover some situations which do not nullify the fast. Situations which do not nullify the fast. Uh, eating, drinking or having sexual intercourse forgetfully, meaning the person forgets, they start eating once uh, they eat, they do not nullify the fast because they are forgotten. But what they mention regarding this, if you observe someone eating and while he's eating, you know he is fasting, do not remind him of his fast. Because when you remind him of his fast, he's reminded now and then he may have a morsel in his mouth and he may end up swallowing the morsel of food and then his fast is invalidated. So you, when he places the morsel of food in his mouth, you wait for him to finish eating and then you remind him. Because in the hadith, what is mentioned is that this is in fact a gift for the one fasting. How is this a gift for the one fasting? This is a gift for the one fasting because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has caused him to forget in order to strengthen him upon the fast. So. If you catch someone eating and they are fasting, do not remind them while they are eating. Wait for them to finish eating and then remind them. 
Uh, nocturnal emission, which is wet cream of the male or female, does not invalidate the fast. Applying oil to the body or kohal. Kohal is antimony which is placed in the eyes, to the eye, even if it reaches the throat. What they mean by if it reaches the throat? If so, any of you have ever placed eye, a medicine in the eye, you will notice that the taste sometimes is felt or you can taste something in the throat. This does not invalidate the fast. So what is being mentioned here, if someone applies an oil like uh, or something like Vaseline on the body and from placing something like Vaseline or different types of oils on the body, you can taste something in the throat. That taste does not entail an invalidation of the fast. Then you also have cupping, cupping, uh, which if a person does cupping, once they do cupping, uh, the cupping does not invalidate fast, even though cupping is makruh during fasting. Why? Because cupping will weaken the individual. So you're fasting, you should not be doing cupping while fasting because cupping will weaken you. If a person backbites, backbiting, does not invalidate the fast even though the reward would be lost meaning technically your fast is is valid but spiritually speaking it, it would affect the the reward of the fast and the spiritual aspect of the fast another reason for not which does not invalidate the fast if one intends to break his fast but does not do so meaning he has a strong desire to eat he intends, he says, I will go down and eat. When he goes to the kitchen to eat, then something distracts him. His fast is not invalidated. It will only be invalidated once he actually consumes something. If smoke enters the throat unintentionally, so smoking itself does invalidate the fast. If someone smokes, but if you're on a, on a, on a coach or a, uh, a taxi and someone is smoking and through passive smoking the smoke enters your nose and throat then your fast is not invalidated through passive smoking in the same way if dust or dust of flower or a flight or the taste of medicine enters the throat meaning you're walking on the road and uh, a breeze makes some dust enter the throat because this was done unintentionally, then the fast will not be invalidated. Also, if one awakens in a state of Janava, major ritual impurity household, the person has marital relations in the night, goes to sleep, does not wake up in time in order to, to bathe and pray, perform Fajr prayer, and awakens in a state of Janava. This will not invalidate the fast. The state of impurity will not invalidate the fast. Likewise, if one enters a river and water enters inside the opening of the ears, so if you jump into a river or a swimming pool and water goes into the ears, this does not invalidate the fast. Now, if you check some of the old books of fiqh, what they mention is if water enters the ears, then the fast is invalidated. Why do they mention this? Because med medically speaking, they were unfamiliar of the anatomy, human anatomy, that the ear does not lead to the digestive tract. 
anywhere in the throat or the belly. So they would write, if water enters the ears, the fast is invalidated. But later ulama, when they realized, biologically speaking, the ear is not connected to the, the belly, they wrote that the fast is still valid. If one using a bud cleans the ear and then puts the bud into the ear for the second time, placing buds into the ear does not invalidate the fast. Likewise, if nasal mucus enters the nasal passage and is sniffed back into the throat and swallowed on purpose, this doesn't invalidate the fast. If one vomits unintentionally, so unintentional vomit, intentional vomit, which is a mouthful, won't invalidate the fast. But unintentional vomiting does not invalidate the fast. Even if it's a mouthful and even if he takes it back, does not, taking it back means it reaches the top of the throat and then he swallows the contents back. So it reaches the top of the throat and then he swallows the contents back. This does not invalidate the fast. If he vomits intentionally less than a mouthful and some goes back, in, it does not invalidate his fast. Intentional vomiting is only a mouthful. Intentional is only intentional, which invalidates the fast is hammered, a mouthful. If a person swallows traces of food which were left from the door meal, as long as it is less than the size of a chickpea. So at home you have a meal at school time. You, when Sahul finishes, you go to the masjid to pray at the masjid because people tend to realize during the prayer only. You realize that there's a piece of food still stuck in the mouth. If you swallow that piece of food, the fast is not invalidated. The fast will be valid. Chewing something like sesame that comes from outside the mouth as long as it does not reach the throat. Now, this example, uh, whoever prepared the slide placed this example, why the, the example may confuse some people. What they refer to in the fit books is a sesame seed, something as small as a sesame seed. If you were to chew it, and then when you chew it, it becomes so minute that it doesn't enter the back of the throat, then it does not invalidate the fast. If it does enter, then the, the fast would be invalidated. Now they give this example in the fit books that something like a sesame seed which may melt in the mouth, but in reality this can confuse people because once it melts, the contents will go down the throat. So in reality, the simple example would be as long as something does not enter the throat, then the fast will not be invalidated. Chewing gum, by the way, modern-day chewing gum will invalidate the fast. Why? Because when you choose, when you chew gum, the gum has taste. So the taste, the juices from the bubble gum, they go into the back of the throat, and people end up swallowing the contents of the juice. So this is why bubble gum would invalidate the fast. Are there any questions on these three slides? So things which do not invalidate the fast. Uh, regarding asthma pipes, some people ask regarding asthma pipes. If you take an asthma pipe, the fast will be invalidated, but you will not be sinful. So if you take an inhaler, you're depending on the level of asthma, 
If your asthma is so severe that in the months of winter you are unable to fast, the in month in winter months in the UK the fast is around eight hours, <coughs> around eight hours. So if you are unable to fast in the winter months, then you pay kafara. That would be severe asthma, meaning you every few hours you would have to use the inhaler. But if you are able to fast in the month, uh, the months of winter, then you must make up the fasts in the winter days. But if in summer days the fast is too long and you need to take your inhaler, then you take the inhaler. Uh, the inhaler will invalidate your fast, but you would have to do qada on, on a different day. The question is on uh, stick and miswak, meaning if you something you also ask regarding toothbrush. So you have three things here. One is tooth stick. A tooth stick will not invalidate the fast. Secondly, miswak. Miswak will not invalidate the fast. So even if you wet the miswak and you use the miswak and you garden, as long as you are not swallowing something. And the third scenario is toothbrush. A toothbrush alone will not invalidate the fast, but if you place toothpaste on the toothbrush, it will be makru because of the taste of mint. So one of the fadila, the virtues of fasting, is that the fragrance, the smell of the mouth of the person fasting is a virtue for it because he's staying hungry and for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So therefore, removing that with mint and toothpaste would be considered more because of the taste also. Chewing them, don't play chewing them. So gum, the question is regarding gum. If you chew gum, which has no taste and, and no juice and just pure gum, that would be allowed, but again, pure gum is very hard to come by most people. The bubble gum that they eat or chew is a bubble gum with flavor that when they chew the bubble gum, what happens is that the juices go into the throat. What about missing one of the five salam? If you miss, the question is, if during fast you miss Fard Salah, is your fast invalidated? The answer is no. The two uh, Fard stand uh, individually, meaning you pray your Fard Salah, you just do Qada of your Salah. You make up your Salah. Uh, what about these mouthwashes in the garden? The question is regarding mouthwash. Is it permitted to use mouthwash? And the answer is during the month of Ramadan, it's makru because of the taste. <coughs> because you shouldn't be tasting anything uh, with, with, which carries flavor. Therefore, using the mouthwash would be impermitted. It wouldn't invalidate the fast though. So if someone brushed the teeth with toothpaste and uh, gargle, the fast will still be valid as long as they do not swallow the toothpaste and the uh, mouthwash. So the, the action itself will be makru, disliked, but uh, the fast would not be invalidated.
Again, if they get that's coming in the next slide, your your question will be answered in the next slide. Injections is also a question which is of controversy because some scholars are of the opinion that injections invalidate fast. Other scholars are of the opinion injections do not invalidate the fast. I would say that injections do not invalidate the fast unless the injection is such that the injection is being injected directly into the stomach. So some people have diabetes. Yeah, so they put insulin into the stomach. That would invalidate the fast. Would that include intravenous feeding in a hospital? Yes. If, if feeding, they place sometimes uh, tubes and uh, to feed a person through a bag, this would invalidate the fast if this is done. So situation fasting uh, which requires kafara. Now the main thing to understand here is when you fast, if someone invalidates their fast in the month of Ramadan, either they invalidate the fast with an action which requires kafara expiation or they invalidate the fast with an action which does not require kafara expiation so two ways if you break the fast you would either have to do kafara or you would not have to do kafara kafara would be fasting 61 days so non-stop fasting of 61 days for some of them so firstly uh, where, uh, this question here, when is expiation kafara due? The answer is, if someone intentionally eats or drinks without an acceptable reason or intentionally attains a sexual gratification, then he or she is due a kafara. What is the kafara? A freeing a slave which doesn't apply anymore because there are no slaves. But this also shows Islam encouraged emancipation of slaves, meaning did not encourage slavery but encouraged freeing of slaves. Two months of fasting, continuous fasting, and then making up the nullified fast, so 61 days. So you make two months together and then you fast. Now, this is a common question. What if you have multiple kafaras? So a person ate throughout the month of Ramadan while fasting, meaning he would fast and break his fast, he would fast and then break his fast. How many fasts will you have to keep? The answer is one sixty fast set of sixty. One set of sixty is sufficient for all the fasts. Then he makes up each fast individually. So even if he has twenty fasts worth of kafara he makes up he does one set of 60 and then he makes up those 20. if somebody is um offering a kafara and it is at a time when there is um a forbidden day to fast um is it acceptable to do the 61 days with that one day gap 
or should it be done at a time when there's not a forbidden day? The question is regarding uh, if someone fasts 60 days and one of the days falls on a forbidden day, do they fast? The, the answer to that is that when you keep this kafara fast, you keep the 60 fast in those days which doesn't, do not include the Eid days. So you avoid, as long as you avoid Eid al-Adha and Eid al-Fitr, but any other day would be permitted. Eid al-Adha and Eid al-Fitr are the only days. If you do fast, then you would have to resume again. So you have, you avoid Eid al-Adha and Eid al-Fitr. Why if someone dies before that? Because of the intention, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, inshallah, we forgive them. Because they intended to do the fast after Eid al-Adha or Eid al-Fitr. So, if someone is unable to do 60 fasts, what does that mean? What do we mean by unable? Unable does not mean he is lazy or... Unable means physically unable, meaning they have physical illnesses by which they cannot fast. <coughs> then they give sadaqah, which is giving charity, feeding 60 uh, people, masakim. Feeding 60 masakin, which is masakin, the miskin, the difference between faqir and miskin. A faqir is someone who has nothing, but still has his daily meals. A miskin is someone who does not even know where his next meal will come from. In masakin, uh, in every country of the world, meaning people who live homeless who do not know where their next meal will come from. So, which situations require expiation? Firstly, having intercourse, eating and drinking, to swallow rainwater on purpose. So, someone goes out and it's raining and he opens his mouth and allows rainwater to fall in. This would require kafara expiation. To swallow the saliva of a, of a loved one, meaning to swallow, if, so, if someone kisses his wife and swallows her saliva, this will invalidate their fast. They would also have to do kafar. Eating raw meat. The why raw meat is mentioned here specifically is because people think that eating raw meat would be an exception to eating food. But the, the response is, if you eat raw meat, this would also in, uh, require kafara. Because there are, if you eat certain things which have no nutritious value, they would not require kafara. Like if someone eats uh, a piece of iron or uh, plastic, the fast would be invalidated, but the kafara would not be necessary. And But raw meat, by consuming raw meat, a person would have to make up the uh, fast as well as the kafara, give the kafara or perform the kafara fast. If a person eats intentionally after backbiting or touching the wife or applying oil or cupping, what, what does this mean? <coughs> a person during the month of Ramadan he backbites, thinking afterwards that the backbiting now has invalidated his fast. When he thinks the backbiting has invalidated his fast, he goes and eats intentionally. He goes ahead and eats intentionally. 
when he eats intentionally, now he would have to give kafara. Even though he was mistaken regarding backbiting, that backbiting validates the fast. This was a mistake. Or if someone applies oil, and after applying oil, he thinks uh, his fast is invalidated, or he touches his wife and he thinks his fast is invalidated. In all these scenarios, if after doing this, he goes and eats food, then he would have to make up the fast, and he would have to give kafara, or make up the fast with kafara. Those things which nullify the fast, but do not require tafara. These are so the, the things that require tafara are straightforward. But there are some things which a person can do, but they will invalidate the fast, but would not obligate tafara upon them. If a person mistaken, mistakenly swallows unusual things, which one normally does not eat as food or as medicine, like a piece of plastic. How can this happen? If some people they tend to have an habit of placing things in their mouth. One day while they are placing, because of the fast, they're placing something in the mouth and accidentally they swallow the the object. This would invalidate the fast, but would not require a kafara. If a person ate something as food or as medicine for an, for an acceptable reason. What is an acceptable reason like what we mentioned regarding the inhaler? If someone uses the inhaler, the inhaler would invalidate the fast, but they would not have to give kafara. Or if he has a, a necessary medicine to eat, he eats the medicine, he does qada at another day. Or if the person is ill, they become ill, they need to eat food or drink, they eat food or drink, they would not have to do kafara, they just make up the fast at another day. Common situations, some of those common situations, if one eats raw rice, flour, wheat, mouthful of salt, stone and a fruit, or cotton, uh, uh, cotton or paper. Why are these things mentioned? Because none of these uh, give any energy to the person or strength, unlike uh, raw meat. Raw meat, however, has, uh, has protein. So raw meat would give the person strength to do certain things. That's why they make an exception of raw meat. Taking drops in the nose, if someone takes drops in the nose, the fast would be invalidated, but would they have to give kafara? The answer is no. And applying medicine to a wound of the head, so they apply the medicine in the wound, and then they feel the taste in the mouth, would they have to give kafara? The answer is no. When making the water and taking the water of the nose, that's acceptable, isn't it? Question is regarding placing water up the nose in wudu, would this be acceptable? The answer is yes, you take the water up to the bottom of the bone, so the bottom part of the bone, the, as long as the soft part of the nose, you take the water up to the soft part of the nose. Some people think that you must place the water up the nose in such a way that uh, you have that feeling of the water stinging, uh, the head, 
But the answer is, is this uh, necessary? The answer is no, even in the sun. As long as you wash the soft part of the nose. Are there any uh, questions on this? With regards to the uh, acceptable um, things, um, if somebody was to place food in front of someone, cooked food, uh, without any warning, um, should somebody eat it and break their fast? Or uh, The question is regarding if food is placed in front of you, um, if you're a guest at someone's house, or should you invalidate fast? Fast fast you cannot invalidate. With what we're discussing here is which one? Uh, the fast fast. They mentioned regarding the nuffle fast, the, the optional fast, that a person can invalidate the optional fast and make up the fast at another day as a guest. If you can't go far fast, we have to feed 60 people. Do they have to be Muslim? Yeah, they would have to be Muslim. The 60 masakeen would have to be Muslim. Someone would here say, why are you specifying uh, Muslims for this? The answer is, when in Islam, when they mention emancipation of a slave, freeing the slave or feeding people for acts of worship, for acts of worship, then the, the Muslim person is specified. Does this mean Muslims do not feed masakeen who are non-Muslim? The answer is no, that uh, the Muslims do feed masakeen who are non-Muslims, but for making up the kafara fast, because it's an act of worship, the masakeen that are fed are Muslims. Would um, children from non-Muslim families be acceptable? Yes, children, again, children, who are from uh, non-Muslim families, they would be acceptable because they technically they wouldn't fall under the uh, description of uh, mushrikeen, children. So here uh, we have another set of things which <coughs> do not nullify the fast, but uh, do nullify the fast, but do not require kafara. Rain or snow <coughs> enters the throat by accident. So if you're walking in the, in the rain, you would have to be very careful that the rain does not enter the throat. If one makes intention during the day, then breaks the fast during the day. So this would mean that if you make the intention at night and then break the fast in the day, you would have to make up the fast and do kafara. But if you make the intention at 10 in the morning, in the daytime, you would have to, uh, if you invalidate the fast, the fast would be invalidated, but kafara would not be necessary. If a person was a traveler, then became a resident and started eating or the opposite, meaning a person is traveling, while they are traveling, they reach their destination <coughs> and they start eating. In this case, would they have to do kafara? The answer is no, there is no kafara on them. They would have to just make up qada. Or the other way around, if a person decides to travel and while they are traveling, they break their fast, this is impermissible. But would they have to make 
Kafara, the answer is they wouldn't have to make Kafara. If a person does not eat and has no intention, how a man wakes up in the morning in the month of Ramadan, when he wakes up in the morning, he decides there is no fast upon me, I won't fast. He doesn't eat all day. He would have to do qada because he had no intention. But is there kafar? The answer is there is no kafar. Ejaculation without intercourse and vomiting intentionally a mouthful. So vomiting intentionally a mouthful would invalidate the fast, but there is no qada on the person. Uh, there is qada on the person, there is no kafara on the person. There is no kafara. Are there any questions on this? No, you wouldn't be sinful. It's it's better to eat because of the offense to the host. You wouldn't be sinful though. In either case, you wouldn't be sinful. Is, the question is regarding if you went to someone's house and they offered you food and you were fasting, nuffal fast, and you declined, would you be sinful? The answer is you would not be sinful. With regards to ejaculation without intercourse, does that include if it was intentional? Yes, intentional as well. So, ejac intentional ejaculation without intercourse would invalidate the fast, but not obligate kafara, not obligate uh, expiation. What about smoking? Some people draw pleasure from smoking. Is that kafara? Is that intentional recklessness? Uh, smoking, if you smoke, uh, you invalidate the fast, but there is no kafara. So, because again, there's no nutritional value to, to tobacco. So, if someone smokes, their fast is broken. Some people, in the month of Ramadan, when they open their fast, they in fact open their fast with cigarettes. <laughs> they become so addicted to cigarettes that after the date, you look around and you won't see them, they'll be outside smoking because they need uh, their tobacco. But if they break their fast, who, uh, smoking tobacco, then they would uh, not have any kafara, but they would have to do kadam. Someone who's fasting falls ill or um, uh, unconscious, do uh, they have to, after they recovered, say a day or two, does he have to make the Question is regarding someone who faints or becomes unconscious during fast, would he have to make up the qada? The answer is yes, they would have to make up the qada once they regain their health. But there is no kafara on them. There is no kafara. Any other questions before we move on? If the question is regarding blood, if uh, someone uh, gives blood, or gives blood for a blood test, does this invalidate the fast? The answer is no. The fast is still valid. It does not invalidate the fast. Any other questions before we move on? I think we've covered the main things which invalidate the fast. So, what do you do if you, uh, if someone invalidates their fast, 
it's necessary for them to refrain from eating for the rest of the day. If a woman becomes free from menstrual periods and postnatal bleeding after true dawn, what does this mean? Once Fajr time comes in, she was in her hayd and nifas, uh, menses and postnatal bleeding. But once true dawn has come in, the, she cannot fast, but the hayd has stopped. So what does she do for the rest of the day? She refrains from eating and drinking. Or a child becomes an adult. How does a child become an adult? A child goes to sleep after Fajr prayer. During, Fajr, during the sleep, he has nocturnal emission, realizing that he has reached the age of puberty. Or a young girl, she, her first hayd, her first menses appear. This means in Islam now she is mature. <coughs> But for the rest of the day, they avoid eating and drinking. So they would have to fast the next day, but the girl would wait until her period is over. But the boy would have to fast the next day. This is how a child becomes an adult. If a non-Muslim becomes Muslim, meaning a non-Muslim accepts Islam, but that day he restrains from eating. Uh, the following acts are disliked acts while fasting to taste something so we apply that to toothpaste or mouthwash when we mention that it's disliked to chew something so you mentioned regarding gum without clay that even though it will not invalidate the fast it will still be disliked kissing and caressing this is for those couples that the kissing and caressing will lead to further acts Gathering saliva and swallowing it. So your question regarding if someone gathers saliva and uh, swallows it, this will this action would be disliked but would not invalidate the fast. To do anything that will make a person weaker, like copying or bloodletting. Uh, copying is when they place a, a cop with the vacuum on the back and uh, place snits. I think everyone knows what copying is. Bloodletting is known as fast in Arabic, which is also allowing some blood to come out of the body. Why? Because this weakens a person. This would be makro during the month of Ramadan. <laughs> what recommended acts uh, in fasting? Firstly, the sahur which is the pre-dawn meal, eating before the Fajr time enters. This is recommended. The hadith states, which means to have the pre-dawn meal because because surely in suhoor, in the pre-dawn meal, there is barakah blessings. So you stretch the pre-dawn meal all the way up to the Fajr prayer entry. So the hadith here, observe sahur for verily there is blessing in the sahur. To delay the sahur to the time it takes to recite 50 verses of the Holy Quran, meaning the minimum amount of time of eating sahur should be that if, it, if someone were reciting Quran, they could recite 50 verses of the Quran, 50 long verses of the Quran. This is minimum amount spent during sahur. To be hasty in breaking the fast on a clear day. So you, the way we 
uh, eat suho up to dawn time. When the when maghrib time comes in, you eat your date, meaning you don't delay the iftar until darkness comes out. Because once the sun has gone down, there will always be enough light for you to see what you are doing. The companions mentioned that when they would pray Maghrib prayer with the Prophet they would leave the masjid and there was enough light for a man to fire an arrow. If he was targeting something, he could fire an arrow. Why? Because that's the light of the sun. Once the sun has gone below, the horizon. So a person does not wait for the for total darkness, but they eat as soon as the iftar time comes in. <coughs> and the following reasons a person can invalidate the fast without a, without a sin, meaning if they invalidate the fast with these reasons, this they will they will incur no sin. Number one, illness or delay in recovery. So someone is ill, or if they fast, the the illness, their recovery will be delayed. So in that case, they they break the fast, but they make up qada at another day. In the same way, a pregnant woman or a woman breastfeeding, if she if they feel weakness, if they are able to fast, that that is fine. But if they feel weakness, then they should not fast. If one fears death due to hunger or thirst, of course, that one would be obvious. A traveler and a menstruating woman. In all these cases, the people just make up qada, meaning at another day. With regards to the traveler, um, what if somebody was, for example, in a driving position and the minimum amount to make them a traveler is not going to be reached. I don't know what is it for. 57. 57. If it was below 57, like you're going to Warsaw, for example, but you remain moving on your round, so you actually do over 57 miles. I covered this at the beginning. Okay. The answer to your question is that if you leave the vicinity of the city and you travel, uh, more than 57.5 miles, irrelevant to what destination, you would be a traveler. Okay. So if you go from Birmingham to Wilson, but in between, you are driving so much or so many miles that you exceed 57.5, then you will be considered a Musafir traveler. Um, Shaykh, is that an arbitrary um, a figure, 57.5? Yeah, this is based on Ijtihad, remember that. But the fatwa is given on that. It's an issue of Ijtihad because the hadith actually says traveling three days and three nights. So later on, scholars converted this to miles when with the invention of cars and even before that, people would give miles. So there's a, it's an issue of ijtihad, but of course, most people will not be able to determine what the actual number of miles is. So the fatwa is just given on 57.5. What about diabetic people? If someone is diabetic, they what they do, if they are able to fast on shorter days, they make qada on shorter days. If they are not even able to fast on shorter days, then what do they do? 
they give kafara for the fast. What was the fidya for fasting? The uh, you feed a person one suhoor and one iftar. Very miskin. Difficulty in this country you can be not like miskin and miserable. You send the money abroad. The diabetics um, are allowed to be exempt, meaning they do the fast, but their injection doesn't break their fast, or will it break their fast because they have to have the injection? It, it, it depends, like I mentioned, that in where they have the injection. If they have the injection in the stomach, then the fast will be invalidated. If the injection is in the arm, then the fast will not be invalidated. <coughs> injection in the arm, then the fast will not be invalidated. Salat so, al-Taraweeh. Uh, so here we just have a few more slides regarding Taraweeh. Praying Taraweeh is a Sunnah Muakkada. For the congregation is Sunnah Muakkada Kifaya, meaning in the entire community, the one, as long as one congregation is being held, they fulfill the Sunnah Mu'akkada for the entire community. So Sunnah Mu'akkada Kifaya. 20 cycles of prayer. This is according to all four schools. And the only exception being uh, the Wahhabis who pray eight. They pray eight and this is more of a recent innovation. Otherwise, even in the Haram, in, in Makki Haram, and in Medina to Munawara, they've been praying 20 cycles of uh, Taraweeh from the time of the Khulafa. From the time of the Khulafa all the way up to today, the whole Ummah has been praying 20 cycles without any break. So that alone is sufficient to show Ijma consensus on 20 cycles. What they do is they they have a few hadiths which apparently give the, uh, the the position of eight salat of Taraweeh. But if someone examines the entire hadith on the subject, they will realize that the narrators were mistaken in the number of in mentioning the number of units. So there is ijma on twenty cycles of Taraweeh. What if you don't pay Taraweeh during the day? It's Sunnah Makkada, so if you regularly miss it, you become sinful. But if you become tired or fatigued, then what you should do is pray the Taraweeh sitting down. <coughs> you can pray the Taraweeh sitting down. It would be permitted. If someone's ill or they have uh, diabetes or these kind of illnesses, then they can sit down and, and like on a chair or on the floor and sit and uh, pray Taraweeh prayer. This would be permitted for them. But in that situation, can they pray at home? They, they can pray at home as well. It would be permitted for them to pray at home. What's the minimum amount of people needed to pray Taraweeh? The amount, same amount for, uh, as there is for Juma, which is three people. So the Sunnah is finishing the Quran once. This is the recommended act that you at least finish the Quran once. But if remember, in shorter, in shorter nights, like we have shorter nights now, if it's difficult to recite the entire Quran, then you do not recite the entire Quran, you just recite short chapters of the Quran. 
Is it permissible um, for somebody who is not a Hafiz to have the book open to recite while they're in Qiyam? The question is regarding holding the Quran while uh, reciting uh, during the Taraweeh. The answer is this would not be permissible in the Hanafi school. This is in the Shafi school because in the Shafi school they are permitted to move, uh, move in the prayer. So what they do is they hold the Quran and they turn the pages and listen to the Imam. The only difficulty for them is when they go into Ruku and Sajda, then where do they place the Quran? So, of course, you have to make a distinction between Shafi'i and Wahhabi. So, because the Shafi'is do not place the Quran on the floor. So, what they do then is they have a stand or something and they place the Quran on the stand and they observe the Quran. So, when we were in Syria, what they would do is they would have a Mus'haf on a stand and they would be reciting the Quran along with the Imam. But in the Hanafi school, this would not be permitted for two reasons. One is because you are moving during the recitation of, uh, during the Salah. And number two, you are not permitted to recite during the, uh, the, uh, the prayer. If you recite your prayers in that day, or you are not allowed to look at something and read from it, this wouldn't invalidate the prayer. But a person should be concentrating on what the Imam uh, is reciting. So in our school, this wouldn't be permitted. In the Shafi school, it would be. What about um, somebody who's not a Hanafi? Um, if he is the Imam? Yes, yeah, again, because it's nothing, the Imam himself should not be reciting from the Mus'haf. Then he, in that case, he shouldn't be leading the prayer. He should know the Quran by heart. So the one who's reciting at the front should be reciting by heart. Uh, there is also, uh, with the, with the Taraweeh prayer, some people think that we would have to finish the Quran. So what they do, they have reciters placed at the front who cannot recite the Quran correctly. Or when they do, they recite it very quickly. Alhamdulillah, here in this masjid, or in many masajid in Birmingham now, we don't have this problem. But even then, there are still some masajid that have kuffars who recite the Quran too quickly. Behind such people, the prayer will not be done. So the Taraweeh is not even valid. If they do not make distinction between the letters and they do not recite the Quran correctly, that's why all, all the congregation must pressure the masajid to pay for better reciters to come in and recite the Quran correctly. If they, if they uh, because many of our people, when an imam with a short beard leads a prayer, then people make an issue of this. And validly so, because the prayer would be makru. Now, if they can make an issue of someone with a short beard leading the prayer, then they should also make an issue of someone who does not recite the Quran correctly. If the short beard is makru, then recite, not reciting the Quran correctly is, makes the prayer invalid, totally. At least with the short beard, the, the prayer is filled up. So the way people put pressure on the committees to have an imam with a full beard, they should also put pressure on the committees to pay for an imam who has good recitation, meaning the recitation of the Quran should be with tajweed. So if someone misses the taraweeh prayer, is there qada on them? The answer is no, there is no qada. Next, after this, we move on to etiqa, sitting 
uh, in themselves. Are there any questions of uh, what we call it? Where did they take it from? Biopsy. The question is regarding something they call biopsy if they take a tissue sample from the internal organs. If the organs are the stomach or anything relating to the digestive system, so from the throat all the way down to the private regions, if it's a tissue from there, then this would invalidate the fast. Otherwise, it would not. What do you say otherwise? Kidney. If they took, uh, let's say they took a sample from the kidney. This would not be a part of the digestive tract where the food goes down. So it's where Yeah. So when you eat from where the food is chewed all the way from where it is digested. Otherwise it would be Yeah. Otherwise it would be permitted. The question regarding eye drops. If someone takes eye drops, they don't invalidate the fast. The fast will still be valid. Even if you put the eye drops and you taste the, the drops. Pardon? We covered this already. If you put oil on the body, the, the fast is okay. Nose drops break the fast. You would have to do qada if you do nose drops. Yes. Again, ear drops will not invalidate the fast. Let's go back to the whole with Rabi when she played. One do the whole before they sleep. Yeah, that would be permitted. The question is, can you pray the Rabi? Do your sahur? Go to sleep and wake up for Jar. The answer is yes, you can. Even yeah. throughout the winter as well, or yeah, even in the winter it's fine. <coughs> okay, we have uh, one question on moon sighting. Every year, this issue the moon sighting one and the same timing is some people don't know anything about Islam except controversial issues. Not the question, I'm just saying generally. So whenever something uh, controversial has to come, they have to ask regarding that. But the moon sighting and Saudi timings, uh, we'll answer that toward the end. <coughs> Here, if someone does not know how many fasts he has missed, what does he do? If that's the case, what do you do is you make an estimation and you base it on that approximation. So if, if the person has missed fast for 10 years, makes an approximation and then it makes up all those fasts. Uh, we already covered brushing teeth and using toothpaste. Brushing teeth and using toothpaste does not invalidate the fast even though it is disliked. Unless you swallow the toothpaste uh, while brushing, then that would invalidate the fast. Is the bitterness of a miswak um, as well? No. 
the miswak is permitted because the Prophet used the miswak during. So the bitterness of the miswak would not be considered makruh. Etikaf, uh, which is seclusion of the people in the masjid. What is the definition? Meant to remain with the intention of seclusion in a masjid where the five daily prayers are performed in congregation. So this masjid, five daily prayers are performed. Uh, where, what are the parameters? The parameters of the itikaf. Firstly, you stay within the masjid hall. But if someone goes up to, for instance, that porch is connected to the masjid hall. If someone goes to the porch, or they go to the shoe area, or they go to the car park, <coughs> this will not invalidate the itikaf because these are known as sahmul masjid, the courtyard or connected regions to the masjid. Because in the old days, people would go to the manar the uh, minaret and perform adhan and do different things, this would not invalidate the etikaf. So uh, that would be permitted. Where do females perform etikaf? Females perform etikaf in their house, meaning they don't, uh, in their homes, they don't perform etikaf in the masajid. <laughs> Types of etikaf. The types of itikaf are three types. One is wajib. If someone takes a vow, they say, by Allah, I shall perform itikaf. Now the, the itikaf is wajib. Morkada is the sunnah itikaf, which a few people would have to do in the community. If they perform it, then it's uh, sunnah morkada kifar. Mustahab, we perform all the time. Meaning now when we enter the masjid, we say, the way to sunnah al-itikaf, we are performing itikaf. Al-Imam al-Nawawi rahmallah in his Atibyan, the Adabi Hamlat al-Qur'an, he mentions that this is a, a sunnah which many people have abandoned, that whenever they enter the masjid, they should make the intention of i'tikaf. So once you do that, that would be a mustahab, meaning as long as you stay in the masjid, you, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala orders the angels of Raqib and Atib to write down good deeds for you in the masjid. This is mustahab. Am I correct in understanding? Um, would it be in a Sunnah Muwakadatifaya as an individual if I do not do it regularly? Um, it's not blameworthy upon me because it's kafaya. Is that correct? Does that make Meaning, the question is regarding the meaning of kafaya. Kafaya is. If a group of people do this, then individuals are not sinful. Like the Tarawih that you mentioned. Yeah, so if a group of people perform the Kifayah, then it's, the, the individual is not sinful. So, the permissibility of leaving the masjid, the person in the club is not permitted to leave the masjid. So what we mentioned regarding the masjid, is the masjid and what is connected to the masjid. So <clears throat> the road will be outside of the masjid. This part, if someone stands outside there, that will not be considered um, invalidating the car. Of course, this does not mean a person uh, milks uh, this, uh, uh, this option and stands half the day outside there cooking or some people go out there to smoke or after they have uh, broken up, they should try staying within the masjid as much as possible. 
ਸਾਡੀ ਸਾਰੇ ਦੀ ਕਾਲਾ ਕਮੇਟੀ ਦਾ ਫਾਈਨਲ ਟੀਮਸ ਆ ਕਮੇਟੀ ਨੇ ਦਾ ਪ੍ਰੈਸਿਡੈਂਟ ਕਲਾਮ ਦੀ ਮਸਜਿਦ ਸਰ ਕੋਲ so um, <coughs> what are the legal excuses to leave a friday prayer call of nature uh, due to a necessity forced by an oppressor death of a family member fear for yourself or your belongings is it job interview um fall into a necessity yes if someone is uh, living in difficulty meaning they have no source of income and they need to do their job into it that would fall under necessity but if they uh, are well off and they have no necessity then they would that would fall under necessity so it depends on the circumstances of the person what's permitted while still in the car eating drinking and sleeping uh valid contact which will benefit him or his family or indeed dislike acts uh bringing in items uh, the valid contract means uh during the contract of business which will benefit you inside the masjid is permitted during the tikaf so you can do a business contract this is exception for person in the tikaf otherwise it's makru uh, it's impermissible to do such things in the masjid dislike acts bringing in items of trade into the masjid and also to maintain complete silence thinking it's an act of worship some people think you may take off you stay quiet if the cough is just being quiet so they remain silent do not communicate this in a beta and innovation and uh, in the in fact the person would be incurring sins because of the sin of beta innovation so questions here we got three questions so far we cover these first uh, is there a, a set number of rakats for tarawih and uh, the answer is the sunnah muakkada is 20 cycle if someone would want to perform an additional amount they are permitted to but the minimum amount is 20 they should be told that the the minimum is 20 they should go home and perform an additional 12 cycles meaning they can leave the masjid and the congregation even after 2 or 6 or 8 or 12 but the sunnah is to pray 20 so when they go home they must pray the additional uh, cycles of uh, tarawih what is the <coughs> Yeah, the same question that would have to be in three right pardon the addition of what you just mentioned that would have to be in a number of three people no individual if they if they pray in the con- the congregation should be a minimum of three congregation but when the person if he prays in the masjid when he goes home he can pray on his own 
If you go home and pray, the rest of the tarawihan is over. People, let's say someone has work early in the morning, they cannot join the congregation. What do they do? They pray, they fall fard with the with the congregation. When they go home, they pray the twenty rakat of tarawih very quickly, pray the witr and go to sleep. But as long as there is a group of people within the community performing tarawih uh, within the masjid, is the amount of Quran for a rakat. No, the minimum amount is three verses of the Quran. The minimum amount is three verses of the Quran. So it's very easy to actually perform Rawi, really. Okay, the two questions here. One is regarding moon sighting local or global. In the Hanafi school, the moon sighting is based upon global sighting in the Hanafi school. In the Shafi school, it's based on local. So because we are Hanafi, we based our, base our sighting on global sighting. But then people ask regarding Saudi Arabia, we know Saudi Arabia has a fixed timetable, which is known as the Umul Qura timetable. They will not be, the people who are involved in business with Saudi Arabia will tell you when, when he will be announced, they can tell you now. So if you go to, uh, Al-Hijaz tours, for instance, the, the where they do Hajj and Umrah, they tell you what day Eid will occur. The Saudis will tell them Eid is on this day and Ramadan is on this day. So this is why people it's tend to think why they say why do Bradley Masajid oppose Saudi Arabia only due to sectarian reasons? The answer is it's not due to sectarian reasons. It's due to the method Saudi is employing in determining Eid at Ramadan. The question then is, what happens to the fast and Eid of those people living in those places? The answer is that they must obey the ruler. So the sin goes on whose head? On the head of the ruler. So if you're in Umrah now, and the ruler, because the ruler is Muslim, he announces Eid, you must perform Eid. He announces the Ramadan, you must perform Ramadan. But if the Eid or the Ramadan is on the wrong day, he is sinful, the ruler. But if you are living in the UK or in another country, now you have the freedom to determine the month of Ramadan. So what, how do we determine the month of Ramadan? Of course, different people suggest different things. The best method is by looking at the closest Muslim country that does actual sightings. So Morocco is a country where the king who is a Muslim, he does, he sends people out in Morocco has actual um, an astronomical method. What they do is they send people out into the deserts to go and actually look at the horizon. When they sight the moon, they will announce it to the king. The king then announces Ramadan. And the same, they don't follow the Saudi method. They actually do sighting. So therefore, the best method is following Morocco, and this would be in accordance with the Hanafi school. But the question is, as a as a person in the masjid, a layman, what do we do? You are not sinful if you follow the announcement <coughs> of a body of ulama or the the body of a masjid committee, meaning that that takes responsibility off your shoulders. <laughs> So 
You, the thing is, if you follow the committee's decision, the if the committee has people of knowledge within uh, its body, then the responsibility falls off your shoulder. The responsibilities on the masajid, the committees, and then they are their responsibility falls on the shoulders of ulama scholars. So the scholars are responsible. So lay people shouldn't get involved. In what years ago, in two thousand and four. Uh, Mufti Akbar who's the only Imam of Kumbul Sheikh Masjid, he announced Eid on a particular day, and the people who were laymen, they stood up in the masjid and started shouting in the masjid at him. Now, at that time, I was uh, back from Syria for a visit, and it was in the month of Ramadan. We observed this, but now, in the years later, if this happened in the masjid now, we would make that person, the layman who stands and shouts like that at a scholar, we would make that person sit in front of the entire congregation and then read the books of fiqh and say, explain to us the issue there. What do you want to explain to us? Meaning you have no right to speak like that to an alim of the religion. Irrelevant whether he's right or wrong, because this issue is an issue disputed. So many disputes go on regarding this among scholars. So like this issue and the Fajr issue, the degrees, the Sahur time issue is not an issue of Ijma. There is no consensus. There's no, uh, even within the school, there is no agreement, meaning the Hanafi school. So the, the issue of degrees, some people think there's a, there's a Ijma over a certain degree. So if there's a degree, uh, some scholars are pulling for a certain degrees of Fajr, there's Ijma. So if you propose this, you are being sinful. But the answer is there is no ijma. People uh, follow the local masjid. Whenever the local masjid announces uh, Ramadan, just fast. Whenever they announce <coughs> who is responsible in the masjid, the ulama. So the, the ulama are responsible for this. And if you're in a Muslim country, then you follow the ruler. If the ruler is a Muslim, no matter how bad he is, like Nawaz Sharif or whoever is the, the king of Saudi Arabia, as long as he is a Muslim, you must obey his announcement uh, for Eid and his announcement for the month of Ramadan. So people ask, uh, you don't follow Saudi when you are in England. So why do you follow them when you go to Umrah? The answer is you're in a Muslim country. When the king, if he's a Muslim, you must, it doesn't matter whether he's a Sunni or non-Sunni because as long as you're a Muslim, like when the Khilafah had a Mu'tazili king, the Mu'tazili Khalifa, the scholars would still obey his announcement for Eid and Hajj. So likewise, it would be necessary to follow uh, that ruling also. Okay, here are a few more questions. The suhoor timing, regarding the suhoor timing, the same would apply for moon cycle. And then you follow your local masjid. If you are not satisfied, then follow whichever timetable you're satisfied with. But because there is no consensus on Fajr timing, the lay person is not responsible for such a thing. Some people think there's a consensus on 18 degrees. There is no consensus. There's a dispute amongst the ulama on this issue. Um, here, 
does eating up until end of Azan Ibadah fast? Yes, you must stop fasting before this, the Azan. So the Sunnah is two Azans. One Azan is for Sahur, you can carry on eating. But then a second Azan is for Fajr prayer. That, that Azan, you must stop eating before that Azan is done. If you eat up until that Azan or into the Azan, then your fast is invalidated. Can Istanja break a fast? Yes, if water enters <coughs> or water enters the back region, then the, the fast is invalidated. Is it Sunnah to make Dua before or after you eat? <coughs> uh, the Dua is done after. So Al-Imam Ahmed in his Fatawa, in the same volume where he discusses Suhoor timing, volume 10, <coughs> he has a book saying that after you say Bismillah Rahman you eat and then you make the Dua. There's a dispute on this issue among scholars. Some say you make the Dua and then you break the fast. But he says you eat the date, then you make the fast. <coughs> Can you just um, elaborate on the question you mentioned before? How do we know if water is going to enter or not? Uh, how is because when you do stinger, you use the hand. So when you use the hand to rub, you know if water is entering the back passage or not. But if someone, a person must clench the particular region and wash and then use tissue and dry. So you should always dry the, the back region before before. Uh, finishing stinger in Ramadan. Does exercise such as sports gym class uh, be classified as dislike acts that make you weaker? If <coughs> exercise makes you weaker, then it is makro. What is classified as ill health? Uh, yes, you would have to get guidance regarding ill health from a doctor. A Muslim doctor who knows regarding fast, he will tell you uh, whether you are legible to miss a fast or not. And or you can go to the Masjid Imam, the scholar, to ask him. Jazallahu anna Sayyidina Muhammadan sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallallahu alayhi wa Jazallahu anna Sayyidina Muhammadan sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallallahu alayhi wa Jazallahu anna Sayyidina Muhammadan sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallallahu alayhi wa Subhanahu wa bika wa bilisati amma yasifun Wa salamun ala al-muqsaleen Wa alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin